Welcome to Making Sense of It All, helping you gain insight and take control of your wealth creation journey. Join your co-hosts from Vincent's, a national firm of highly specialized experts on all things financial. Jared Brooks, Director of Financial Advisory, and Brett Griffiths, Director of Superannuation Advisory. Along with special guests, they break down key concepts to help you achieve financial independence. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Making Sense of It All. Today, I have Brett in the podcast booth, and we're also joined by Kenneth Beanland, Senior Investment Advisor, to provide us with an update on the investment markets. Welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, Jared. Cheers, mate. How are you going? Very good. Back in the booth, mate. Love it. (laughs) Built for this. Exactly. Built for radio. (laughs) So on the agenda today, um, we'll we'll touch on a bit about the reporting season. Mm -hmm. So we've just wrapped that up. Um, Have a look internationally, what's going on over there. Give us a bit of an update on the macro environment and then how you're positioning your client portfolios looking forward and uh, where where the market is at the moment. So let's Sounds kick great. Off. All right. So reporting season, it's been one of the best reporting seasons that I've seen in years, if I had to be honest. Isn't that ironic? It's incredible. <laughs> if you think six months ago, yeah, you know, double-digit un- yeah. unemployment and uh, here we are um, with not just – the, the earnings growth coming through for this year, but I think what was really important was seeing those n- the next two years numbers start mm. to creep up as well. So those FY22 and FY23 EPS projections. Yeah. Um, I think what's again what was really really pleasing was the large cap. You know the big drivers of our market really had, in, in my opinion anyway, robust um, reports. So. You think the financials, so CBA does a, a full year, but the others, the other three majors do um, trading updates. Um, we saw a lessening of the provisions that they'd, that they'd um, okay. uh, banked from uh, COVID. Yeah, so that's basically the, where the banks had allocated a certain amount of funding for bad debts or people defaulting on their loans. Mm-hmm. And it's actually due to the government support and the likes that people have actually come out fairly well. There hasn't been as many defaults or any issues with that. And as a result, this buffer that the banks have built into their balance sheet has now been overdone. So now they're revising that. Yeah, they're starting to revise yeah, it. So no great. capital returns at the moment. And and you'd expect that. Like we've mm. still got um, JobKeeper to officially roll off. Yeah, when's um, that finishing up? Uh, end of March. Yeah. Um, we've also got uh, the debt moratoriums starting to roll off as well. So then you've got a 90-day delinquency part there. So there's, there's, you know, there's moving parts to this and we weren't expecting them to, uh, um, you know, return any of that surplus capital. But I think it's just pleasing that the people at the coalface, the, the, the banks see this through their numbers every day, mm. that they've been able to go, well, things are looking a lot rosier than we first predicted. But even the, even the bank still has a fair bit of uncertainty because looking at the CBA's annual report, mm-hmm. They're basically saying that their best case scenario is that property prices, I think it was, will go up um, 5 or 10% this year. And, and the reason why that's important is that CBA are the largest home lenders in the country. But on the flip side, they're also saying, but we also think they could go down 15% in the worst case scenario. That's a hell of a, a, a variance, which you know, we haven't seen before because I think they're still hedging their bets a little bit as to what might may come. When the job keeper and job uh, or job keeper sort of ends end of next month. Yeah, agree. Um, what what goes into the bank's um, projections is their base case, and then that changes their risk weighted assets for their CT one ratios, 
and that means their levels are, go up or down, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at all of those banks at the moment, they are the most capitalised that I've personally seen. Um, they're well and above the uh, APRA's unquestionably strong ratio of 10.5%. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we, we, we're actually going into a, a, an economic growth period, um, so you'd expect that to actually, you know, not be required. Mm. And an economic growth period on the back of? Well. Pure an, stimulus. An, an incredible, in, in my view, an incredible uh, um, job done by the RBA and the federal government. Um, stimulus uh, everywhere, really. Mm. Like it was coordinated. First time in a while that we've seen both hands, both monetary and fiscal um, working together in unison, we've got cheap money. Um, we've had a uh, a huge deficit. Um, we and you just touched on it. Then we, the US is looking at the biggest deficit since World War Two. Hmm. Um, so that you know, when when you're taking that amount of liquidity and that cash in in any environment, you should be seeing uh, some some growth come through. Yeah, that and all carry that all the way through to an individual's pocket. They haven't had the opportunity to spend as much with travel and going out and doing those sort of things. So the money sloshing around in the just the, the family sitting at home is actually a little bit higher. And as a result, they're out there spending in Australia. Let's talk to mm-hmm. ourselves. And um, is there any concerns around inflation and those kind of things? Well, at, 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 time, at the time that we're making this, <laughs> uh, there is a, a significant spike up in inflation expectations, which is causing some issues in the government bond space globally. Um, the, the 10-year government bond is what is typically used as a risk-free rate you know, in general terms. Um, and with that rising, it, it's, it's actually starting to put pressure on some of those higher growth areas of the market. Um, so I don't know when this is going to be released, but you, you know we're seeing stocks domestically like Afterpay fall around about 25% from previous highs. Um, you've got stocks, well-known stocks over in the US, so things like Tesla off you know, 30% from the high. Those ultra-high growth companies seem to be um, being sold off in favour of those more cyclical exposures. So that's where the rotation starting to occur. Mm-hmm. It's not people thinking um, specifically the markets are overvalued. It's the individual growth stocks and, and transitioning that into value or cyclical stocks, not actually exiting the market and going to cash. That's right. That's yeah. all. Well, that's okay. how. That's how we're seeing yeah. it on the equity space. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I suppose just to really dumb that down for myself, Kenny, that really means that people aren't. They're saying, well, there's no point going into the the higher risk investments like Afterpay and, and Tesla, mm-hmm. but they'll go more conservative. Is that what you mean by cyclical? Um, so what I mean by cyclical is types of companies that are uh, focused on or, or produce their cash flows right now in relation to a higher economic growth period. Right. So when you're looking at the difference between a cyclical <coughs> or a value stock or a, or a High growth stock, mm-hmm. instead of saying speaking with high growth. When you're looking at those, you're going, well, I can either get my cash flow now, which is going up, say CBA or, or BHP, the earnings of that company right now in this year are getting stronger. The earnings for a high growth company might not come for 10 years' time. Yeah. So that's where that discount rate comes in. Right. So when you're dividing that that long off number by a really small number, which you know, let's say you used not many would, but let's say you use the 10-year US government bond rate at half a percent at the very bottom of the market 
through COVID. That makes that number look actually quite large. But if you used the 10-year government bond rate now, which is about you know, 1.8, um, it makes that number look a lot smaller. Yeah, so right. it's really a cost of carry almost. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Burn in hand now looks far better than having to take the, the risk mm. that those earnings don't materialise in five, ten years down the track. I wonder if um, some of that is because of what we've experienced in the last 12 months too. With No one would have expected that literally the world economy would have fallen off a cliff and then sort of come back. So I wonder if investors are re-evaluating that long-term position now that the bond rates are coming back too? I think it's a really good question. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's happening, at least on the institutional level. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's not the mum and dad's investors that move the really big uh, stocks on our market. Um, so I think you've got continued support for materials, do really well in inflationary type environments. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, you know, trillions of dollars worth of stimulus coming through globally. Um, we think that that's going to go into construction. You've got a, a trillion, two trillion plus um, US uh, infrastructure program that's potentially going to be passed. Um, China, uh, as per usual, is pumping their economy. Um, so really, really strong for materials right now. Um, and the other side to that is you've got the banks, so the valuation side. Housing market's going that's great for banks and and when you've got a rising bond yield these guys are able to you know borrow at the short end so you know typically if you've got a um an interest rate curve you you should be getting you're borrowing at a a smaller rate short short end and then they're going to borrow on the long end um the rbs set up a term funding facility for these guys where they're they're basically in charge 0.1 percent and lending it out to us or, or commercials at you know, two, uh, three, four, five percent. So yeah, and yeah. that's the margin that those banks are making. Yeah, it's their yeah. ability to borrow and then lend it out to us, mum and dad investors, and mm. people that uh, create the margin. And that comes back to your point earlier, Jared, is because property prices are increasing, people are sitting at home thinking oh, we need to renovate the bathroom, the kitchen, yep. landscape, whatever. So they're using the equity from the growth of the property to go to the bank to borrow more money to then. Yeah, help stimulate the economy by you know buying the car or having a kitchen made or whatever it might be. Exactly, and you're seeing that through the reporting season. So yeah. retail, really, really strong. Anything focused towards home improvements, think mm. Bunnings, Beacon Lighting, really um, done well. Yeah, just in, incredible numbers. So it's really backing up what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the other one you said that was a hit was um, the resource space. In this yes, reporting series. Yeah, well, you know you've got stocks like. Fortescue, um, if you look at the iron ore price in Australian dollar terms, it's never been higher. Um, you've got BHP, copper, oil's going the right way. We had, a, again, at time of recording, there was a 4.5% jump overnight in, in oil prices, um, now uh, above where it was um, uh, COVID, pre-COVID. Yeah. So um, it's really looking strong yeah, um, across the, the board. Of this? Um, so, well, last night OPEC couldn't agree um, on uh, OPEC, <laughs> sorry, on production um, uh, output. So they've kept the they've kept the cuts in place, and yeah. up, yeah. up you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in regards to the resources, I suppose it's the infrastructure spend and those sort of things driving that need for iron ore. Yes. Yeah. So um, as 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 we touched on, um, when you when you 
pumping up an economy. Um, you want the infrastructure spend. You want those big capital projects. You want your 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 high rise towers to start going up, or your big you know you know roads and um, uh, um, bridges and, and yep. whatnot. Yep. Um, there's trillions of dollars being spent globally on this at the moment. And is there still uh, concerns floating around about China and the relationship there with Australia? Oh, look, they're always in the background. I mean, well, it's actually not in the background anymore, is it? Like, <laughs> front page. Uh, front, page <laughs> front page stuff if you're a coal uh, coal producer or you're trying to send wine into the country. Um, I think the difference between those two commodities that I just touched on or, or, or the wine and iron ore is very, very difficult to, to get iron ore of our calibre anywhere else in the world. Mm. Uh, there's there are big projects going on over in um, Africa, uh, Guinea, and but they're you know years away. Yep. Um, well, because Brazil's really the only other the other, viable the other one. So Vale is the yeah. the largest iron ore producer in the world. So yeah. they're, they're, they're that Fortescue, BHP, and Rio. Yeah. They're the big guys control you know around eighty percent of the seaborne iron ore market and uh, Vale's had its issues. Um, mm. I believe we touched on them a little while ago. They they yeah. downgraded their output guidance for this year um, and that caused another spike and, yeah, it's a it's good time to be an iron ore miner. Yeah, mm. and that's where in turn is uh, we're talking about cash flow position. Mm. All these resource companies are cash flow strong mm. and as a result, from a shareholder's perspective. Oh, it's, it's been fantastic if you're a dividend-focused investor, mm. holding BHP or Rio, um, Fortescue as well. Uh, I think what's what's really pleasing is we've seen capital discipline as well. We haven't seen. What you do know, you mean by that? So, um, if you think back to other mining super cycles, is what's being banned about. A lot of these majors will go out and and try and buy growth, and they'll they'll overpay for assets. I think you know it, the the one that everyone pulls to is that BHP's um, uh, shale gas. Yeah. I think it was forty odd billion, and they wrote it down to. 10 or 11, don't quote me on those numbers, but it's just a, a, a massive disaster. <laughs> um, yeah. We haven't seen that. So they've been working on uh, not so much acquiring, but they've, they've got those green fields that they're going to start building up. Yeah. Um, and, and on the other side of it, if they're not spending on reinvesting back into the business, they're actually improving their dividend payments out to the investors. Yeah. So that's basically, we don't have a better use of capital so it's at this point in time. So it's coming back yeah. to the investor. Yeah. yeah. Because you've got an economics degree, Kenny, is there a um, a risk of inflation around all this going on too? Well, that's the big question at the moment. So the, there is there should be a distinction between reflation because we're coming off deflation, mm-hmm. so reflating back to where we were, which is definitely happening. The question is, does inflation markedly tick up from maybe six months or, or 12 months' time. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, that's, the, that's the big question. And I think, I think you're going to see above market, inf- above long-term expectations for inflation for at least another two quarters. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see how, how, how you won't. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got retail figures <clears throat> going through the roof. You've got oil spiking. Um, you, these raw commodity demands will eventually flow through. Flow through, yeah. So it... it I think it'll be an interesting time, maybe in twelve to eighteen months. Um, you're seeing it in the bonds, uh, bond space now. Mm. That's what's that's what's causing these uh, these ramifications with bond yield spiking. Is is the fact that the, the question's being asked: Is inflation temporary, like we're we're reflating, yep. 
or is it a longer term issue and that will change the picture for you know housing deposit uh, sorry housing loans um, your risk free rates that you're running through your discounted cash flow models um, yeah, yeah and it's to, a big it's a big question to yeah. break that down it's basically the lead in if bonds are if that inflation does spike um, then the central banks of the different countries need to then review that and see whether they need to then um, have, a, have a direct impact on it by increasing interest rates. Mm. And as a result, then that can flow through to the equity markets and repositioning. And that's why it's creating a little bit of volatility in the markets at the moment. But I suppose the big part is if it's a if it's just a spike in inflation and there's not a structural shift in that, mm. then they won't need to respond. Mm. And that's the questions that are being raised is yeah. that if they don't need to make a uh, a shift in those interest rates due to the fact it's purely a spike, then we won't have as the the same level of concern because the inflation will come back yeah. to reality and they'll be able to hold interest rates lower for longer because we've got the RBA here in Australia saying interest rates are staying where they are for three to four years. That's right. So, yeah. and they've been they've been you know active in that bond market. They were very very quiet for a while. They they came out with their first quantitative easing program. Um, then we heard from Governor Guy de Bell. I think it was around June last year. They said they only had to intervene, you know, once or twice. Just recently, they they stepped up their QE pro, um, program to include longer dated bonds. Um, they they then went into the market. I think it was around a week ago, and they to try and control this bond um, spot, bond yield spot. Um, they bought their two billion worth, and then they upped it to four billion. Yesterday. They actually came in and only did the the usual two billion. So we've seen another sort of lift off again on those bond yields. So I think you've got to take the RBA and every other central bank in the world. They've got unlimited firepower. They can that's right print money and just go in. <laughs> that's right. They're not expecting long term inflation, mm. and I think they're, they're going to control this um, uh, current uh, spike um, by stepping into the market um, if it gets out of hand. Yeah, yeah. and that. If you take that view and that perspective, when looking at the market, the risk is to the upside. In that respect, if you're not, if you're sitting in cash and you're worried about, okay, mm. you might have gone to cash during the volatility of the COVID period, and you're looking for a re-entry into the market on the back of the fact this market's been flying, um, the, from that perspective, the risk seems to be for, to the upside. Then, yeah. So, when we're talking, you know, macro and and broader picture. Um, in, in agreement, you know, you've got economic activity. So GDP growth is supposed to be 4.5%. Consensus is well, leading I think to the up, upside. quarter we just know, had, 3.1. 3. 3. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, just an in, in insane number. First time, I think, ever that we've had two quarters above 3% in a row. Wow. wow. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> coming off, but we're still coming off that low base. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was also the first technical recession we've had in 20, 20 odd years, years or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've got economic growth booming. You've got cashed up um, uh, consumers uh, that are willing to go into their pockets. Um, you've got a housing wealth effect. So if, you yeah. know, if you're holding onto your house and you're seeing – the, your house price I'm grow. Say double digit mm. increases, but just large, you know, small step changes, very, very big numbers. Definitely yeah. a wealth effect you know? that you feel. You feel yeah. you feel more wealthy yeah. when your property price is going up. Yeah. So look, and then that's flowing through to the to the earnings that we're seeing and the earnings revisions that we're seeing um, on on in in the broader context. So 
Mm. I'd be interested to see what consumer sentiment's looking like at the moment. I haven't looked at those sort of numbers mm. in terms of how everyone's sort of feeling out there, mm. employment and things like that. I think there's a my, – my take is there's going to be a real three-speed economy. So we've heard of the notion of a two-speed, but I think you've got the – the miners going absolutely stupid. On the flip side, you're going to have those really heavy um, tourist-centric areas, you know, north, far north Queensland, places like that that rely on international travel that are going to be right down the other end, mm. and then you're going to have essentially everyone else in the middle, um, which is a different sort of um, dynamic to what we're used to. Yeah. So, I, I think, well, what... I would be expecting to see from the federal government is probably a, a tinkering of that JobKeeper plan where You'd they go so. to know, certain industries. To certain so industries. think about aviation yeah. and the yeah. tourism the, the space. One, the, the, one, the areas that really, really yeah. 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 Well, and, and speaking about aviation, um, Qantas's numbers I thought were, were quite interesting and also what Alan Joyce was saying, <laughs> talking about how he would actually prefer to lose a dollar in the air than a dollar on the ground. So in other words, he wants to get planes up in the air and have a discounted price as opposed to trying to actually make profit and not have planes flying, which I thought was really interesting. There's two elements to that then I I sort of feel like is the fact that planes in the air are supporting um, other people in employment, jobs are running, but also the fact I think it's it's, uh, easier to keep planes running than it is to put them in the back deck and then bring them back online. So I don't know how to take that. Yeah. It's interesting. What about, um, so back to reporting season, we've mm-hmm. had a couple big hits, so finance and resources, mm-hmm. uh, misses. Um, so I think what's interesting has been the Australian dollar and what has typically worked well over a number of years, probably really from about 2011, is backing companies that have US dollar exposure to their revenue and subsequently to their earnings. Um, we saw a couple of tech names, uh, one in particular, which, which um, uh, you looked at their their, their forecasts. Now, still forecasting off a sixty nine cent Australian dollar. <laughs> so, when did it take long for people to look at that? Oh, yeah, sorry, when the Australian dollar was around seventy, yeah, seventy seven, seventy eight today, yeah, yeah. but at the time it was about <laughs> eighty cents. Oh wow! So it was a huge discrepancy. Um, so I think that's an interesting area to watch. Because um, we're thinking, which way is the Aussie dollar? Well, well, we're of the opinion that it gets stronger, and we predicate stronger. that on the fact that you've got a, a, a better um, overall strategy in terms of COVID. You've also got demand for commodities and commodity exposure. So typically what you'll see is demand come in from overseas, puts pressure on the Australian dollar. You need Australian dollars to buy Australian stocks, Australian assets, whatever that might be. and that actually flows through to those bond yields because if you're an if you're an investor over in Europe and you've got you know zero percent on your um, 10-year government ECB bond and you're looking at 1.8 in Australian dollars well you're probably going to take that because you're going to expect that Australian dollar to, mm. to continue to rise as well so I think there's a three-pronged approach there where it's it's, it's looking like there's a lot of pressure on the Australian dollar the RBA doesn't want that, by the way. No. So they'll, they'll try and um, jawbone it as best they can. But um, their normal but arsenal to that is interest rates, which the R- they haven't got. Exactly. <laughs> they can't do. The RBA doesn't like that because? Sorry? The RBA doesn't like that because? Well, what you want to see with the RBA, if you, if you think that you want um, an economy to uh, thrive or, or, or come out of a uh, depression or a recession, is you don't want to – you, you want to – enjoy 
or, or try and stimulate manufacturing. So things that are being made in Australia that look cheap so other people will buy them, so it will, you know, increase our economic activity. The flip side to that is if we've got a really strong Australian dollar, well, we don't look cheap. Doesn't doesn't look good, does yeah. it? Yeah. Gotcha. So that was probably a bit on the misses when it comes to the reporting season, but it sounds like there was more I've positives got to, out I've of them. Got to be honest, I'm trying to think of, of too many like absolute sectors that it were really, really sat really in struggled. that what we touched on before. It really sat in that tourism and aviation sort of space that's really struggled a bit. Yeah, it, but it still felt like even because the expectations were so low. In those yep. in those areas, we actually saw reasonable bounces in a couple of yep. these stocks, which okay. is interesting for the investors thinking out there. Is the market itself isn't looking at today; it's looking mm. at what it is Into in the, the next six, mm. 12, 24 months time, and that's where the price is going to be positioning. Mm. So everyone was expecting the worst, but actually the results were better than expected, and as a yeah. as a result of that, we've had this improvement. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it really is people taking a punt on how. They see those companies performing. Always forecasting ahead for yeah. cash flow, yeah. yeah. So from a more global perspective now, where do we see what countries are we positioning in terms of that have come out of COVID well? Yeah, so like I said, I, I personally think Australia is, is well and truly on the radar for international investors. You do have the rise in commodity prices and it looks to be sustained. So you know, we've got some of the best commodity companies in the world. In my material mm. yeah. companies in the world. Um, you've also got our financials, which look to be really, really well capitalized. And a lot of places are still looking for yield. So it's very, very difficult to find yield around the world. You look at Australia, we're a high yielding market. Being Could, the fact that our companies pay out. Pay out, pay out a higher distribution <laughs> rather than, say, doing a buyback. Yeah. Yep. You know? yep. So you've got the yield, you've got the Australian dollar potentially going higher, and we're looking really good. On, on, on the COVID side. I think the other area is is Asia and emerging markets. And, and what you typically see is with the US dollar weakening, by the way, also very good for materials. Mm-hmm. They're all priced in US dollars. Um, or historically, it's, it's been very good for materials. Um, uh, emerging markets in Asia, um, China in particular, has dealt with COVID really, really well. Yeah. And you you have already seen it, but I think it's going to continue. The fact that They've got a cheaper market compared to the to the US, so on a multiple level, and they've dealt with COVID. So it, I think things are looking pretty good around the Asia markets. Yeah. So in terms of the, where the market sits today, um, well, we're having a pretty rough <laughs> couple of couple of last days with the uh, with the bond market route um, around about that sixty seven hundred. Uh, now we've got the dividends coming out of the market as well. Look, we're really constructive. Over the next twelve months, um, we think that the the multiples that we're working with aren't that stretched. Um, as I as I spoke to you before, the, the the big end of our market looks in really really good shape, um, and we're moving into an a, a, an above trend growth outlook. But we've got stimulus from both the fiscal and the RBA to continue to back us. So yeah, I think it's. Upwards for our market. Mm, upwards and onwards. And mm. then in uh, more specifically, how are you positioning portfolios? Still hanging on to the materials. We still really like those. Um, we tend to stick with the more d- diversified exposures rather than trying to go with um, uh, more direct. Um, the one caveat to that is we do have a copper exposure in there with a, with a single name. Um, and then 
we really like the financials. Um, I feel like we're just going okay. around about some of these, yeah. <laughs> some these yeah. two areas. Because they're still undervalued per se um, compared to their pre-COVID prices, aren't they? Well, if you look at where they were pre-COVID, they were still at about five-year lows. They, right, they, we, okay. were going, we were going through a raw commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was, you know, it was a terrible time for the bank. So, yep. you know, yes, they're, they're at that same level a year ago, but I would argue that the, the outlook is far better for the banks mm. than it was, you know, 12, 12 months ago. Yeah. Um, far better capitalised. I think over the next two years you'll probably see capital returns. Um, so they're the two areas that we, we continue to like. I, um, I would say with this recent sell-off, um, quality tech over in the US is starting to look pretty appealing. Um, you've got companies like Facebook under market multiple, um, which I don't think will last too long. Um, but we don't have much exposure to that ultra high growth type area um so you know we've still left that alone mm. Mm. so really the i suppose in summary kenny what you're saying is now is a really good time to yeah if you can invest now's a really good time to be doing it am i allowed to say that here <laughs> <laughs> come on down no <laughs> oh look um with uh, all jokes aside uh, we are constructive on on, on growth assets right. in general yeah yeah, so property, um, the markets, equities, um, it looks to be setting up as a pretty good year. Mm, excellent. Thank you t- for your time again, mate. That's Cheers, been an guys. Excellent episode. Thanks My so pleasure. Much, Kenneth. Thanks. All right, listeners. Well, that's the wrap for this episode. I hope you found that of value because uh, it's always good to see what's going on in the marketplace because as uh, wealth creators and on our journey to financial independence, uh, this is one of the greatest assets you can be investing in to get started. So. Yeah, Good episode and, from Kenneth. Yeah, and, and really great to get his insights into the um, the economic sort of situation, both in Australia and, and globally as well. Yeah. So make sure you hit subscribe, um, leave us a review, and share it with friends and family who will find it of value. If you've got any questions, email address is making sense of it all at vincents.com.au. Yeah, so don't hesitate to get those questions in. We can always get Kenneth back on to answer any of your investment questions. But until next time, remember to. Gain insight and take control. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, mate. The information contained in this podcast should not be interpreted as advice. It is general in nature and does not take into account your individual financial situation or needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial decision, we recommend you consult with a licensed professional advisor to consider your unique circumstances. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned.